Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on LinkedIn.com slash recommend today. Fourth and final hour on a Sunday get-together here on CBS Sports Radio. Jordy Mack going to stick around for another 60 with you. A uh, little baseball slash Washington, D.C. conversation in our uh, next segment because we're lucky enough to get Grant Paulson to join us. He's uh, co-host of the Grant and Danny Show on 106.7 Fan Down in D.C. and does a phenomenal show on Sunday mornings on Sirius XM's MLB Network Radio, Minors and Majors. Grant, Jody Mack here. How you been, bud? Jody, how are you, pal? How you doing? Good. Uh, good to catch up with you. It's uh, been a while since we talked and or since I got to listen to Minors and Majors because I'm just not in my car on Sunday mornings anymore, which is my fault. I should find you anyway because that show is that good. And certainly I want to uh, talk to you about that with the fact that the draft just took place, and I know you talked to so many great people leading up to it. But before we even get there, were you in Nationals Park last night? So I was not, but more scary than that was that my wife actually went to the game. Uh, it was the oh. first time all year. We've got a baby who's about six months old. So she has not been able to go to any games, and we were going to take him to his first game, our two-year-old to her first game at the ballpark. And uh, we just randomly decided at about 6 p.m. local time, about an hour before first pitch, it was a little bit of rain in the forecast. I said, you know what, you go with your brother, I'll hang out here, we won't take the kids. Thank goodness. And obviously, for people that don't know, before the bottom of the sixth inning, uh, gunshots were very loud and heard in the ballpark. Initially, there was panic that somebody was shooting in Nationals Park. Uh, it turned out it was just kind of completely coincidental, literally right outside the ballpark on South Capitol Street in Southeast D.C. Uh, seven shots were heard very, very loudly, though, and you could pick them up. You could hear them broadcast, TV, radio, what have you. So within the ballpark, the players scurried into the dugouts and fans headed for the exits and it was chaos, man. So it took a little while to get hold of my wife, but all was well when I did. And uh, they did a really good job, I thought, in the ballpark. It took several minutes to kind of sort out what was going on and to update everybody on, on exactly what they should do. But uh, soon enough, they were able to get word out, and and uh, everything kind of worked out within the uh, confines of the ballpark. I, I did not see it live, but I saw the highlights, if you want to call it that. There's probably a better way to describe it. Um, the, the footage, the explanation, the video uh, layout thereafter. And, yeah, just stone-cold scary stuff. And uh, I just read a shoot today that uh, one of the injured individuals who caught a stray bullet was someone coming from the game. So I don't think anyone from the game was targeted, and they certainly let that be known. Uh, these shots weren't in the stadium or at anyone in the stadium. It was a uh, exchange of gunfire outside the stadium, but a person at the game 
was uh, involved and was hit probably by accident. Uh, so it could have happened to absolutely every anyone. Uh, how long were you watching the game at the time? And how long was it before you heard from your wife who was in attendance? Yeah, so it was incredible. So I was watching uh, the local TV company here is, is called Masson, the Mid-Atlantic right. Sports Network. So they came back from their normal commercial break in between half innings. And the play-by-play broadcaster who was filling in yesterday for the normal, the normal voice of the team was uh, Dan Colco. And he kind of, you could tell in his voice, you know, something had just happened. And he was very clear. He said, look, we have no idea what's going on. We picked up from our crowd, Mike, one player saying, what was that noise? You know, he said everyone kind of ran to the dugout. Fans are headed for the, uh, he said, for the exits and headed undercover. We'll get you more information as soon as we can. And they threw to a break. But it, it didn't sound like, you know, there was thunderstorms in the forecast. But if yeah. it was lightning, you know, they would have said something. So your first thought, and I hate to say this, Jody, but the, the way things have trended over the last couple of years, my immediate thought was, oh, no, I, I wonder if something's happened either in or outside of the ballpark or, or something, you know, with a shooting, something with a gun. And, I mean, that, that was just kind of filling in the dots, like how it sounded and, and dotting the eyes there of what he was suggesting without saying anything. So they came back after the second break. They updated that there were gunshots and that, you know, there was a sign now on the, the Jumbotron in the, in the stadium telling fans to stay in their seats that the shooting uh, had taken place outside of the ballpark. But that took, you know, maybe six or seven minutes, I would say. Um, so in the meantime, it, it was a struggle, as you can imagine, to get a hold of everyone. It's been a handful of minutes. I did hear from my wife, and she was lucky enough to have had a – a security guard near her section that basically told her, hey, you know, get undercover, have a seat. Um, what's going on is outside the stadium. So she basically, you know, so she was with her brother, so they just kind of stayed in their seat. And uh, they remained calm. And, and before you knew it, everything kind of sorted itself out. Give credit to the security staff, the players, everyone associated with last night's game, uh, Nationals employees, because they did. Uh, what I saw, and the highlights were pretty extensive thereafter, they did a great job of keeping those who were still in seats informed and under, country, under control and keeping the chaos from growing any, getting fans out via the field. You never see that anymore. Fans are separated from the players because they worry about the safety of the players. But they showed that they worried about the safety of the fans, too, by allowing them to come well, into the dugout. Players? I mean, Manny Machado... And Fernando Tatis Jr., who's 22 years old, essentially opened the uh, little barrier, the, the wall along the uh, tarp on the third base side, so that fans could come down on the field and fill the dugout, you know, which was pretty incredible to see. I was even told today, I talked to someone who uh, has been in touch with a fan, and they said about 10 or 12 fans made it into the clubhouse. Some scared kids were kind of being calmed by coaching staff and players in the actual clubhouse of the San Diego Padres. So just a surreal scene. The craziest video I saw yesterday, Jody, was Patrick Corbin, who started the game on the mound for the Nats. He's their $140 million pitcher. There was a video of him walking around in the concourse on his phone in full uniform, like in the middle of the concourse in the 100s level where people are normally buying their chicken tenders and their fries. And no one was obviously approaching him, but it looked like maybe he was searching for his family. I mean, it, it was one of the crazier scenes I've ever seen. They obviously halted the game right away. They picked it up today. But uh, luckily, and I don't want to say no one was harmed because there was a shooting outside the ballpark where four people were shot. 
the initial reports we've heard was it was like two cars, one trying to shoot at another. And yep. as you said, there were there was at least one fan who was leaving the ballpark who was harmed kind of as an innocent bystander. But just unprecedented and, and scary is the only word I got for it. Well, uh, glad to hear that uh, your wife was in attendance. Didn't know she was, but uh, glad that she got out and got home safe and sound. Uh, appreciate your sharing your experience with us last night. All right, now you got to share your uh, in-depth baseball knowledge with us. As I uh, said before you came on and while you were on, uh, your show, Miners and Majors, is one of the best in the entire industry by talking about guys who are on their way to the big leagues. And some of them started that journey with last week. Week's draft. Um, unique draft. They had never done 20 rounds before. Last year was shortened all the way to five. Prior to that, it had been 40. A little bit different. The draft seems to change every year over the last couple of years. We'll see if we can get back to what it once was prior to. But let's just deal with this one. I know that the Anaheim Angels have uh, garnered a lot of attention because in 20 picks, they decided to pick 20 pitchers. And that had never been done before. But we'd never had a 20-player draft before either. Um, But I looked at all of the team's drafts, and there were some seriously other heavy pitcher uh, individuals taken by teams. Like, uh, more teams were close to a 50-50 split between pitchers and players than not. I understand that the game has changed and that you look at regular rosters, 26 men. Most of them are 13 and 13 these days with 13 pitchers and 13 players. So I guess I shouldn't be surprised, but I was by how many pitches were taken. Um, did, did you see this coming ahead of time? Not necessarily, no. I mean, certainly in the first round, we had a feeling that there were going to be a bunch of high school bats taken and that that was going to push your normal allotment, particularly of college arms perhaps, down the board. So you saw, just as an example, Ty Madden, who was one of the top college arms in the country as of about six weeks before the draft, some top ten buzz for him. I mean, he fell completely out of the first round. There were going to be a few pitchers that suffered that result just based on how top-heavy this class was for high school infielders and athletes. And, And in general, I mean, for infielders in this class, the college crop as well, there were only three outfielders taken in the first round, Jody. I've been covering the draft every single pick, you know, first round analysis on MLB Network Radio since 2008. I've never in my life seen three outfielders go in a year. So I think it was a confluence of a lot of things in terms of all the pitchers. Number one, you're right. There is a trend. This is changing, I think. You know, adding pitching is more expensive than it used to be. Uh, you see that with the Garrett Cole contract. And not only that, I think teams are getting smarter in the sense that you know, arms break and they want to be able to control those arms and how those miles are put on those tires from day one. So if you draft a guy at 18 out of high school, you can immediately make all the decisions on usage. And you can get him to the big leagues with less wear and tear than if Another organization has him, and you're inheriting, I hate to say damaged goods, but perhaps a guy with a lot more uh, miles on the odometer. So I think that's part of it. I also think specific to this class, right, you mentioned the 20 rounds. You have guys who, because last year was shut down for high school and for college, I think that added some intrigue for teams that are normally worried about workload on arms. I think that was seen maybe as a positive in some ways because normally, you know, you might think, that a guy's been overworked over three or four years in college, and now there's dozens less innings on that arm. So I think all those things were a factor. 
And then I'll say this too, Jody. I just think in general, it's not to say that it was bad, but the college crop offensively was not what it normally is. Uh, there were a couple of bats in the outfield in college, Colton Kowser, who went five to the Orioles, and then uh, Sam Prelick of Boston College, who went about ten picks after that to the Brewers. You know, both of those guys, to me, were, were vying for, like, top college bat other than the pick at 1-1, the catcher from Louisville, Henry Davis. And those guys were – you know, generally, I'd say sixth, seventh, eighth best outfielder in college in the country. So it was just a thin year, and I think all those things added up to what you saw, which was a ton of pitching. Grant Paulson, Sirius XM's MLB uh, Network Radio, his Sunday morning show, minors and majors, uh, as good as it gets when it comes to guys who haven't gotten to the big leagues yet, uh, and certainly that includes guys who were drafted last week. Uh, I'll give you the one theory that I had coming in, and it played itself out to an effect, but maybe not even as big as I thought. I thought senior pitchers were going to be more heavily drafted than ever before because last year they only had five rounds. So if you're a junior pitcher who is thinking you could be drafted prior to the year starting before COVID hit, and then you don't get a chance to pitch at all, well, your decision gets made easy. If they don't pick you in the five rounds, oh, you're going back for your senior year because you believe that the draft is going to come back and get larger, which it did 20 rounds, not the usual 40. But I thought because you'd have guys who probably would have been drafted between rounds five and 40 if they had a regular draft, they didn't have a choice. Juniors were going back to college again. So I thought it would be a good senior college pitcher draft. There were a lot taken, uh, maybe more than I'm used to seeing, but I don't know about outrageously more. Did you notice that as well? So I was in your camp where I thought it would be a bigger storyline and it would be more prevalent than it was. And it, it's not that it wasn't in any way a factor. Uh, but I think what you get there is, and you know this, Jody, right? Teams, the, the older a guy is and the more experience they have before they're a professional, the, the buzzword you hear on draft day a lot is projection. The less teams think a guy is projectable, the less kind of guesswork there is might seem like a good thing, but it actually works against those pitchers because they want room for growth. They want an opportunity to add velocity and to tweak their repertoire. And, you know, in some cases, they want the ability for guys to grow taller, stronger, whatever it is. And just the older you are and the further removed from you know, your initial growth spurt, the, the, the less likely some of those things are. So I think sometimes that works against those guys. But what I do think is, you know, you'll see a lot of those guys who signed after the draft, because it was only 20 rounds, as you mentioned, you'll see a lot of those guys have good pro careers. And I think plenty of those senior pitchers are going to be big leaguers and successful in the years to come. And I guess it's kind of like in college basketball. If a guy has an unbelievable year as a junior, NBA teams say, well, why, why didn't you come out as a sophomore? Exactly. Or as a freshman, that it's like a bad thing to be an upperclassman. You should already be in the league. Why are you still draft eligible at this point? Which uh, sometimes guys slip through the cracks and they end up being big-time contributors. Uh, Grant Paulson, our guest here on uh, CBS Sports Radio. All right, um, I want to ask you about uh, the sticky stuff. And we know how it's played out going back to the memo that was sent out before the season started. And then for we, nobody said anything. And the spin rates were off the hook. And Major League batting averages were lows not seen since the 60s. So Major League Baseball felt that it finally had to act 
Although it wasn't from peer pressure or players making statements, guys weren't going on SportsCenter or Sirius XM, MLB Network Radio, or the MLB Network and saying, these guys are out there cheating. Probably because they've got teammates that were doing the same thing. They were told, hey, this is an in- internal sports secret, and we're keeping it to ourselves. But baseball finally acted. They took their time implementing the punishment. They gave all the pitchers the time to get used to throwing without the foreign substances. And they caught all of one guy who, oh, by the way, it took them about 17 days to uh, finally officially say, yes, we're upholding the suspension. And he's now not uh, capable of pitching. And the Mariners are one pitcher short without Marco Gonzalez. Um, Did Major League Baseball achieve what it wanted to with the way they've handled this situation? Well, I think they did, first and foremost, because unequivocally fewer guys are using spider tack and the sticky stuff right now than were before, and we know that. Statistically, analytically, we, we can look that up. I mean, you can just look at spin rates. Every time a guy pitches on the website Baseball Savant, pitch by pitch, inning by inning, and I watch games that way, and you can see what a guy's spin rate was in, in an inning tonight compared to what it's been all season long. And so we see, we know that guys are down, major RPMs, fastballs, breaking balls, change-ups, everything. Uh, some, some guys, 200, 300 RPMs, that doesn't happen naturally. It, it just can't happen naturally. So, yeah, guys are using the sticky stuff less frequently. I think the really, really good pitchers are still really good, and they've been slightly less dominant. Cole, obviously, the last couple times out has been outstanding. But if you look at his numbers or Scherzer's numbers or any of these guys that have won Cy Young Awards and and made huge money and and been at the top of the sport for a long time starting in all-star games, by and large, while they're still excellent, they haven't been quite as dominant. I mean, the numbers in the game are very stark. If you look at batting average, on-base percentage, slugging percentage, before the implementation and after, uh, as far as the the sport abroad, I mean, it's not that close. Like, this is a a hugely different offensive output right now and and offense is up and hits and scoring are happening in a way that they weren't before. So that's what baseball wanted. They wanted to put the pitcher batter relationship, Jody, back in to a a situation that was healthier and and it was out of whack and they wanted to fix that. Now I've got issues with kind of deciding to do this mid season. I thought it was an overreaction largely. Whenever they wanted to fix it, it was going to be an easy fix. You saw that they did it. I thought they could have waited to the offseason, come up with a, a way to have you know, natural tack on the ball, uh, come up with some type of universal formula solution, actual uh, sticky substance that pitchers could use. Because pitchers have been using sticky substances since you know you were growing up watching games. Right. And that's not going to change, right? So, But I, I didn't like that they did it this way because I do think it will lead to some injuries. I, I've talked to too many pitchers who have to do things differently now and use different muscles. I really do believe that Tyler Glass now got hurt because of this. There's some other guys complaining with some irritation and issues because of this. So it hasn't been perfect. Uh, and by the way, you mentioned they've caught one guy. Now, as I said, the changes have happened, right? We see it. Like this was in large, largely an IQ test to me. It's like testing for marijuana at the combine or something. You know it's coming. <laughs> if, you, if you fail the test, it probably says more about your IQ than it does, like, whether or not you have a problem taking drugs. And, and that's how teams view those tests from my time covering football clubs. But the one guy that's been popped, I think Hector Santiago of the Mariners, he, he was using rosin from what we've heard. And the rosin was just at a place where it wasn't allowed to be. Like the rosin was on his glove, and it's only allowed to be, I guess, on his hand. 
Right. But that's even dumber to me. Like the one thing they're allowing guys to use that they actually supply, they leave on the mound for you when you get out there. That's allegedly what they found on this guy who got suspended, which to me is utterly egregious. So the whole thing is silly. I don't really get how that suspension happened or, or I do think they're kind of putting guys in jail for going 10 over and, and speeding, but uh, they'll sort it out this off season. They just got to limp to the finish line here with some bad optics. I think. Yeah, speaking of 10 over and speeding, uh, you and I disagree on one thing. Um, the pirate pitcher who's blaming his injury on the fact that he stopped using sticky stuff, that's like the guy who gets caught going 85 down the highway, and the cop pulls him over, and he goes, you know, you were doing 85, right? And he says, well, yeah, but I do 85 every night. So why should you ticket me now? You see the big sign that says 60? That's what you have to do, 60. If you get caught doing 85, you get caught doing 85. So if you hurt yourself because they said we're going to enforce the speed limit, well, that's on you. That's not on Major League Baseball, so I don't buy Tyon's excuse or explanation. But that's beside the point. Uh, one more thing I want to hit on you before we go. Um, yeah. Yeah, Juan Soto, guy by, down by your neck of the woods, one of the best young players in baseball, uh, has three home runs since the uh, home run derby, which he almost pulled off, got into the finals, lost to Pete Alonso. Uh, he said that he hoped the home run derby would help him going into the second half to get a little bit more loft angle into his swing, and damn if he hasn't hit three home runs. <laughs> the ongoing debate of... Does the home run derby have a positive effect or a negative effect? Guys who have been in it have gone uh, home run less for the first couple weeks thereafter. Others have taken off and gone better with it. I've always thought that this was an overstated issue and that that, that there's uh, just regular hot streaks and cold streaks in baseball and it's all got to be attributable to the home run contest. I don't buy that. Uh, I had a issue with a couple of guys who decided not to participate this year in Tatis and, and Guerrero, some of the up-and-coming young stars of the league. Your guy Juan Soto did. They decided to pass. I thought they both missed out on an opportunity to not only help themselves but help the game. Did you have an issue with anybody passing? Not necessarily, no. I do think there is something to be said for – First and foremost, what it can do for your own profile. Yes. I mean, Juan Soto's way better off in terms of his national Q rating after participating in that derby and going head-to-head and going to double overtime with Shohei Otani than it was before. I mean, it, it's it's at mile high at Coors Field with great elevation. They use probably juice baseballs, and in that case they definitely did because they weren't using the humidor. Right. I mean, it's a very high net for you here. I, I don't know what could have happened to those guys that – you know, Vladdy already put on a show and did it once. Remember, he did it in Cleveland in 19, so he would have been, I would think, comfortable in the environment. So, yeah, it's, it's stunning when guys don't want to participate because I think it does them a lot of good. It also does the game a lot of good. I'll say that we're, you know, we're so much better off in baseball with this event than, say, the dunk contest, where some of the names that participate in that are, are guys you've never heard of who are in street clothes some days and, you know, the last guy on the bench for NBA teams. I mean, this really is still star-studded. And so they don't have a huge problem getting guys to participate. But, yeah, I'd love them to bat a 1,000, so to speak, and that everybody they ask took part. But I'm with you, by the way. I, I don't think that the swing is, is negatively affected. There have been some studies done on this that I've read that kind of poo-poo that idea. I, I talked to someone one time about it, and they said, you know, maybe it's one of these things that's mental. Like, if you think the reason you had a home run is because you wore the same underwear, then that's why. You know, <laughs> if you think the reason why you struck out 12 is because you ate your favorite breakfast, then you're right. 
And I think that's kind of the deal with the home run derby. Like if Juan Soto says now, hey, I got my launch angle down, my swing elevated because of the home run derby, then so be it. But yeah. the bottom line is that guy takes BP every day, Jody. He's airing it out in batting practice. It's, it's not like that was any different, really, other than just a lot more people were watching and it went on a little longer. Great, great stuff. And I'm so glad to hear that your wife uh, got out of uh, the Nationals Park last night with no incident. Didn't know she was at the game. Uh, I'm glad somebody was home with the little ones. Uh, I'm sure it was a nervous night for you and your little ones who probably didn't know anything, but it is a great story to tell some 10, 12 years from now. Uh, You told us some good stories tonight. Thanks for hopping on with us. Appreciate it, bud. Jody, great hearing from you, pal. Be well. Grant Paulson, Sirius XM's MLB Minors and Majors, does a daily show on 1067 The Fan down in D.C. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com.